Well, good morning again. It is good to be here with you all. So please turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. So Genesis is the first book of the Bible. If you just open the front cover, you, you should be right there. And then flip a few pages and you should be in Genesis chapter 12. And so far in the book, we have seen God created everything and he created humanity to be righteous before him and to enjoy him in his presence, but humanity rebelled against him. And so things got worse and worse and worse until God had to press reset on, on planet earth. He sent a flood. And then after this, he said, you know, I'm going to pick a family by which to save the whole world from their rebellion against me. And so he picks Abram's family. And, and you said, who's Abram? Abram is also known as Abraham. And his wife, Sarai, and you're saying, who's Sarai? Sarai is also Sarah. Uh, God changes their names later on in the narrative. So we're going to look at the beginning uh, of their story, and we are going to see that God fulfills his promises no matter what. God fulfills his promises no matter what. And so, um, and maybe this is your first time to a Christian gathering, and a Christian gathering, we open up God's word and read it, and we explain it because we believe that God speaks when that happens. So let's um, read God's word. I'll pray, and then we'll dive in. So remember, Genesis chapter 12, starting at verse 1. Now, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So, he built, an, he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going towards the Negev. Now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a beautiful woman in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. So when Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house, and for her sake he dealt well with Abram, and he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But 
the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called to Abram and said, what is this that you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So I took her for my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and, then, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this moment. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be able to gather with your people. Lord, we know when uh, we gather together on the Lord's day that you are with us, that you uh, descend from heaven to be with us by your spirit. And God, you enrich us, you, you, you build us up, you comfort us. And so, Lord, we ask that that would happen in this moment. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen me. Holy Spirit, would you fill me with your power and with conviction and with passion that I might proclaim your word boldly as it should be proclaimed. Uh, Lord, I pray, I really do pray that you give me strength. Lord, if I say anything that is not of you, I pray it would wither away and be forgotten forever. And Lord, if I say anything of you, that it would stick and be remembered. Lord, I pray you open the hearts of my and your hearers. Lord, that they might receive your word. They might believe it and they might cherish it. They might love it. And Lord, they might store it up in their hearts. Lord, and they would actually practice it in their lives. That Lord, uh, we, we do not want to be just good hearers of your word. Lord, we want to be good doers. We want to take your word seriously because it's from you. So, Lord, we ask all of these things in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right, I want to start our time off today by asking you a question. Have you had someone in your life who has had your back no matter what? Maybe this person was a, a childhood friend. Maybe it's your parents. You know that no matter what, they're going to support you and they're going to be there for you. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your sibling. Uh, maybe it's a good lifelong friend, but have you ever had someone who has your back no matter what? I remember I, I had a friend growing up who, I, who had my back no matter what. His name was Matt. And I, when, I, when I was in middle school, I was skinny and I was weak. I still am kind of skinny and weak. I'm still trying to, you know, get my weight up. But I remember it, in middle school, it didn't matter because my uh, best friend Matt was built like a lineman and he always had my back. I remember there was one time uh, during a bathroom break, I remember I was chatting with a guy, and Matt walked in, and he said, Cyril, is this guy messing with you? I said, no, no Matt, we're, we're just chatting. Everything's, everything's good. And he said, oh, okay, just making sure. <laughs> so Matt was ready to uh, throw blows if, if that guy was messing with me. Matt had my back no matter what. Even when there actually wasn't a real crisis, he was always ready. Um, and so family, uh, we have someone like Matt in our lives who always has our back no matter what, who we can always count on, and who's always willing to put it on the line for us. Um, and, and, and this person does so, especially in the midst of crises, when we feel like we have our backs against the wall, when we feel like we are overwhelmed, when we feel like we are overburdened beyond our capacity. There is someone who has our back no matter what, and this is the Lord God Almighty. And maybe you're experiencing a crisis in your life. We know that, uh, you know, as a, as a country and as, a, as a, a planet, I guess it's weird to say as a planet, but as a planet, we're experiencing a crisis. Uh, and maybe in our personal lives, we are. Um, but in the midst of, the, of these crises, 
crises, isn't it tempting to get discouraged, to just feel like there's, there's this cloud and you can't look past it, you, you can't see the bigger picture, you know you ought to be having joy in Christ, you know you ought to be happy and encouraged, but you just feel weighed down, and maybe you, you, you can't shake this sadness or this sense of despair, the sense that all things will not work together for our good. And in these crises, it can lead us to be frustrated, disappointed, and defeated. But I'm here to tell you this morning that God will fulfill his promises to his people no matter what. And I want that to sink deep into your bones this morning. You know, I'm not, it's, it's not, just, I'm, I'm, I'm not just up here saying that because I'm the preacher for this morning. <laughs> I'm saying that because it's true and we need to hear it over and over again. And I'm getting goosebumps because I need to hear my own sermons over and over again. Uh, God will fulfill his promises to his people no matter what. And I'm talking to my own soul. Like the psalmist, we have to be cheerleaders for our own souls. Uh, all right, so I want to look at four different uh, situations in which God will fulfill his promises no matter what. And I want to persuade you of these things through Abram's life. So the first thing is God will fulfill his promises in an economic meltdown. God will fulfill his promises in an economic meltdown. So we see that Abram and his family, they were in Mesopotamia, and this new God, uh, or maybe if, if he wasn't new, he was one of many gods, comes to him and says, go leave everything you know, and I want you to keep walking until I tell you to stop. <laughs> and so Abram and Sarai uh, and, and the rest of their family, they start traveling, and when they finally make it to Canaan, they've left all their family behind, or some of their family members have died, except Abram Sarai and Abram's nephew named Lot. They travel uh, probably more than a, 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 a thousand miles to get to this place. And, and I guess the Lord told them, stop, this is it. And on their journey, God gave them beautiful promises. God said, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And then once, once they actually got to Canaan, God told them, to your offspring, I will give this land. So actually, you know, we, we, we probably heard this story before, if, if, maybe if you grew up in the church, but let this story sink in. Here is a 75-year-old man with his wife, who uh, up to this point, and I guess throughout the whole narrative, is barren. She has not been able to have children. He's in a strange place with nations and peoples already built up, and he is totally out of his element. And he is doing all of this because of a new God and a handful of unbelievable promises. But they stay because they have placed their hopes in him. Like I said, this new God who appeared to them with literally unbelievable promises. But then, you know, maybe in our own lives we say, you know, God, if you call me, I'm, I'm looking for immediate results but that's not what happens to Abram. Guess what happens to Abram and Sarai when they get to the promised land, the land that God is supposed to give them? A famine hits. <laughs> Isn't that just like God? Uh, they get to the land that's supposed to be theirs, and, and a famine is basically an extreme shortage of food. So back then, it's kind of strange because now we have Kroger and uh, whatever else um, that's, that's up here for food. But back then, you had to grow your food, and you had, you had crops, and you had oxen and, 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 and cattle. And so when there was an extreme shortage of food, that, that, that was a, a, a big deal. 
That meant that, yeah, we might not eat and we will die. And then nowadays we just say, hey, we're going to go to Kroger. But that was a, a big deal. And so um, can, can you relate? Maybe, maybe we can't relate to, you know, a, a, a famine, but maybe we can relate to a large-scale crisis that has totally disrupted our lives. Maybe our jobs, maybe our, our future hopes, maybe our educational endeavors. Maybe you're graduating from college and now it looks really hard to get a job. Maybe you, you, you're moving back home in with uh, other family members and parents. Maybe during this situation in COVID, it has caused a crisis in your social life. Uh, maybe you, 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 you feel the isolation and you feel the emotional stress and birthday parties and celebrations and funerals and weddings and game nights and coffee meetings and club meetings and, and study groups. They are all very difficult right now and filled with uh, a kind of low-level anxiety because everyone's trying to follow the rules. And maybe in, if you're a student in your coursework, maybe you're uh, pursuing a PhD or a master's degree or a bachelor's degree, and it has become difficult to do classes all online. You didn't sign up to do all of these things online. Uh, maybe uh, in your hopes for graduation, or maybe your hope for that promotion, or maybe your hope to start that new business, that things are looking really difficult right now and your life has been disrupted and all of the things that you were doing for the glory of the Lord have become frustrated. But God will fulfill his promises in an, even in an economic meltdown, as we see in Abram's story. But not only will God fulfill his promises in an economic meltdown, God will fulfill his promises in a violent society. God will fulfill his promises in a violent society. So as a result of this famine, Abram and his wife, Sarai, they traveled to Egypt because during famine, and famine was oftentimes caused by a shortage of food or drought or war, people would travel to Egypt, which was, you know, the, the, the large empire at this time. And it was kind of a, maybe um, a breadbasket of kind of the Mediterranean. It, it had a, a lot of food. And um, so they, they traveled to Africa and they are going there to get food and maybe to seek employment. But Abram was scared for his life when he got there. Why? The text tells us that Sarai, his wife, was gorgeous. And she was so gorgeous that he was scared he would get murdered and Pharaoh or someone would try and, and, and take his wife and bring her into his harem of, of concubines and, and wives. Um, and so later on in chapter 20, uh, verses 11 through 13, Abram, again, this happens again, and, and he gives more words to Sarai. And we see more why he's scared. He says he is scared because he is a stranger in foreign lands that have no fear of God. When he travels to these places, they, they, they don't know his God. And so he says, man, this, this, this is a violent society. I am scared being here. I'm scared for my well-being. These places, because of their spiritual state, um, they were violent to their core, violence and, and, and exercising power to achieve these violent uh, ends, it, 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 using power to get what they wanted, was a part of the culture, and everyone else followed suit. This was a part of the air of, of Egypt. And maybe you can relate. Maybe when we, when we turn on the news or maybe when we're in our own neighborhoods or maybe when we're walking about, we feel this anxiety that comes with living in a violent society, a culture that, that, that is enamored by violence. Uh, maybe for our quality of life, maybe we're anxious. Maybe we go to the car, we're always watching our backs and we're scared for our kids and we're always keeping an eye on our kids and we have monitors on, on our kids. We have a video feed in their rooms. And you know, I, I know me, I have, I have small young daughters 
uh, and, or, or maybe when, when, our, when our wives or our spouses are going out, we're wondering if they are going to come back home to us. Uh, maybe this has caused a lot of anxiety because you're, because you're seeing how violent people can be. Um, and maybe over and, and over again, you're, you're worried about maybe your parents back home or you're, you're seeing news of, of, of racially uh, 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 motivated violence or, or maybe a violence that has racial undertones and maybe you're a racial minority and this is creating anxiety and you're wondering, will I be a victim of violence? Maybe all of these things, whatever they may be, you're saying our society seems very violent and I am scared. But the good news is, is that God will fulfill his promises to you in a violent society. God will fulfill his promises to you in a violent society. But God will also fulfill his promises to you in your shortcomings. God will fulfill his promises to you in your shortcomings. So Abraham, uh, Abram is in Egypt, and what did he do in response to this crisis? He set up a kind of deceitful plan. Uh, like we've already said, um, his wife was kind of his half-sister. It was another time, another, another place. But his wife was technically his half-sister. Uh, but he said, hey, look, don't tell them you're my wife. Tell them you're, you're just my sister. And what happens here, he convinced his wife to give herself away in the, in, in, in the midst of this situation. But in doing this, Abram was giving away the means by which God would fulfill his promises. You remember, God had told him, I will give you many offspring. And God would do this through Sarah's barren womb. God promised this, but Abram had just given her away. <laughs> and then as a result, Abram benefited from the unjust culture of Egypt. So because he's now Pharaoh's future brother-in-law, he is now receiving wealth and honor, and he's kind of like, uh, almost like, you know, in, in our modern day, a, a celebrity. He's kind of like celebrity adjacent. He's, he, he's friends with the president, kind of. And so although we can have sympathy for the decision uh, they made, I don't know, I, I don't know if that's like, I've never actually been scared that someone's going to murder me to take my wife into a harem. But you know, we, we, we can have sympathy for Abram, but at the end of the day, Abram operated out of fear instead of faith. Abram operated out of fear instead of faith. God had already told him, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. But Abram couldn't see past the opportunity to spare his own life from the famine and injustice that permeated this society. His faith was weak. Maybe we can relate. Maybe during this time, maybe during certain, certain situations in our lives, or maybe during this situation that we're uh, in in our country, maybe we, it is really hard to trust God's provision. Maybe it's really hard to really see um, how God is at work. And so as a result, this lack of trust has led to sinful habits and old sinful desires coming back up and tempting us. Maybe it's led to and, and, and abandonment of, of the healthy ways that we have pursued the Lord and pursued Christian community. And maybe some of us are running away from God, and we're here this morning really needing God to revive us. But there's comfort in this passage because God will fulfill his promises in a glorious way. God will fulfill his promises in a glorious way. So I, I love this part of the story. It's almost laughable how God uh, has his people's back. 
Um, basically, God steps into the situation and is like, Abram, you are not going to mess up my plan to bless you through Sarai. Uh, God is basically saying, I told y'all you were going to be a great nation, so that is what is going to happen. And so while Sarai was being prepared to become Pharaoh's wife, uh, God, God starts jacking up Pharaoh's household. There are afflictions and plagues that come on Pharaoh's household with all kinds of diseases and physical afflictions. And this is all because Pharaoh messed with the wrong people. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be Abram? You know, imagine, I don't, I don't know what it's like. Imagine just giving away your wife and you're, you know, you've gotten a bunch of wealth and riches. You know, someone's just dropped a million dollars into your bank account and you're sitting at home and you're like, man, I'm friends with the president. And you're like, man, life is great, but is it? I just gave away my wife and I wonder what's happening and I wonder what's going on and what's the future with me and God. I've just given away the means by which he, he, would, he would bless me. Um, but Abram probably didn't know that God was at work behind the scenes, that God was basically fighting with, <laughs> with, 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 with the people who Abram just gave his wife to. Um, and, and isn't this like our certain situations in life? If we can only see behind the scenes, we will rejoice. And Pharaoh summons Abram, and he basically says to, Pharaoh, uh, to Abram, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Take her and get out of my kingdom. And family, I'm here to tell you this morning, when you belong to God, absolutely nothing will prevent him from being faithful to his promises to you, even your own shortcomings, even your own sin. The text tells us um, that, that, that um, Abram, uh, the, 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 the text basically shows us that not a, a global crisis, not systemic injustice, not even your own sin. And if you can only see what God is doing behind the scenes, you would celebrate. I oftentimes tell myself and my students, if you can only see what God is doing behind the scenes, you would celebrate. God is the friend who will fight for you at the drop of a dime, and God is the parent who will bail you out when you've dug a hole for yourself. God is determined to bless you in your mess, Christian. <laughs> and so not only will God fulfill his promises in the midst of a crisis, God in his, in, in, in his mysterious sovereignty will even use the crisis to fulfill his promises. The text tells us that Abram and Sarai left Egypt with tons of possessions. Uh, they left the promised land hungry and went back to the promised land rich. And this is because God is big enough to use all of the craziness of that situation to fulfill his own promises for his own glory. I think this is a beautiful picture of one, some of our favorite verses, right? Like Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, um, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Literally all things work together for good, even the things that seem impossible to work for good. Family, all bad things will work for your good. Nothing truly good can ever be taken away from you. And the best is yet to come, no matter what it looks like. And this is all in Christ. And so I, 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 I don't know what it looks like for you personally during this time, but I want you to believe with all of your heart that God is for you in the midst of your crises, Christian. And because of that, you are able to continue to trust God and continue to push towards your goals in Christ. And so maybe like a little bit of homework, create two lists. I want you to create a list of all of the impossible situations and all of the things that are really scary in your life. 
and then create another list of God's promises. Just dig in God's word and find promises, the things that he says he will do for you in Christ. And I want you to hold up these two lists side by side, and I want you to see that these two lists are not contradictory, that this can be true and this also can be true. Life can be really scary, but God is faithful. Life can be really difficult, but God is faithful. Life can seem overwhelming, but God is faithful. There can be a haze over everything you do, but God is faithful and he will fulfill his promises to you. And we see this over and over and over again in the Bible. And this is what God wants to drive home to us every single day by his spirit. And so some of you might be thinking, this is too good to be true. I can't believe that God is really going to do this. You know, maybe you're thinking you're, you're supposed to say that because you're supposed to preach the Bible on Sunday morning. Or maybe you're thinking, you know, I've messed up too badly. Uh, you know, God is, I'm too far away from God for him to actually draw near to me and fulfill his promises. And God wouldn't do that for something who's so messed up like me. But here's the thing. That's the whole point. That's what makes grace scandalous. You see, look at our narrative. Abram did nothing to deserve the blessing that God gave him. In fact, in my opinion, Abram did everything to not deserve the blessing that God gave him. It's almost like Abram um, was the most guilty party in all of this. <laughs> Pharaoh, you know, Pharaoh who didn't know God was almost like, bro, why did you tell me? <laughs> I didn't want to take your wife, you know? Um, uh, Abram deserved to be cursed instead of blessed. And the only difference between Pharaoh and Abram in this particular situation was that Abram belonged to God and Pharaoh didn't. The only difference is that Pharaoh did not belong to God and Abram did. So how do we, like Abram, receive blessing even though we deserve curses in our crises? And the answer is Jesus you see, God sees our sin and our shortcomings in the midst of crises, but he is determined to bless us. And he is so determined to bless us that he sent his only begotten son to the world to become a human. And as a human, he deserved no curses in his crises because he lived his life perfectly. But Jesus received curses in his crisis so that we can receive blessings in ours. You see, Jesus took the curse of God on our behalf so that there would be no more curses for us. You see, Jesus is the true and better Abram. Abram avoided danger so that he could gain riches for himself. But Jesus moved into danger on the cross so that he could gain spiritual riches for you. You see, Abram gave away his bride to spare his own life. But Jesus gave away his own life to spare his bride, the church. You see, the cross is the reason why God blesses undeserving sinners in the midst of our crises. And you see, Jesus is the true and better Sarai. Sarai was, was given away in order to spare her husband's life in a crisis. But Jesus beautifully gave himself away to spare our lives and our crises. And Jesus rose again, overcoming death and violence and famine and all things so that he might walk with you in your valley of the shadow of, of death as your king and as your Lord. So family, God will fulfill his promises to you in an economic crisis, in a violent society, in your shortcomings, and in a glorious way. And you can be sure of this because of the work of Jesus on your behalf.
Will you trust him? Amen. Would you all pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to dig into your word and to see your faithfulness to people who are undeserving, to people who are weak and foolish like us. And so, Lord, we ask that you would move towards us. Would you strengthen us? Would you fill us with your spirit that we might know the assurance and joy of your love day by day? Lord, I pray that you would uh, make our ankles straight. And, Lord, would you strengthen our weak knees so that we might walk the paths that Jesus did, that we might embrace the hardship and suffering that comes with this life, but with the hope of the resurrection, that our King, you, Jesus, has overcome all things. And because of that, God, there is literally nothing that can stop you from fulfilling your promises to us. We ask all of these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen.